It's time for Cadillac on Call on News Radio 610 KONA. It's your chance to learn valuable health information right here in our community. Now, the host of Cadillac on Call, here's Jim Hall. Hello, friends. Welcome to Cadillac on Call, presented by the Cadillac Foundation. And each week, we take the air to bring you the latest health and medical information available in our community and our region. And as we have done well documented through the past two years, much of that time has been spent and devoted to COVID-19. We will begin with that topic again tonight, but also continue to explore other valuable health topics as the COVID worries seem to ease a little bit. Later in our program, how Cadillac and Washington State University Tri-Cities are working to build the healthcare workforce pipeline and bolster an industry that has been severely impacted with people becoming understandably tired and burned out as a result of the pandemic. But first, we check in with the latest on the current COVID picture and some new ways public health experts can track existing or emerging illness in our region. We're pleased to welcome to the program today Rick Dawson, who is the Senior Manager of Surveillance and Investigation at the Benton Franklin Health District. And Rick, first of all, why don't you give us a quick update, if you would, on where the COVID numbers are currently as we come on the air? Well, and I think that's that's great. The um, current status is getting is improving. And then, you know, our, our case rate in Benton County is currently at 17 per 100,000 over, over a seven-day period and 87 per 100,000 people over a seven-day period in Franklin County. And those are a 16% and a 30% reduction over the previous seven days. So we know that that's, that's an improvement. Um, number of cases is definitely down, you know, overall cases as well. Um, you know, but more importantly, it's kind of the important things is that the seven-day hospitalization rate for people who are hospitalized because they have COVID is down 39%. And even one of those other indicators, people who are actually in the hospital and testing positive for COVID are down 9.2%. You know, so those things are, are, are some good things. We're also seeing that the two community-based test sites where we can actually monitor the percentage of positive tests. Both have seen a two and a half percent or so reduction in the positivity rate. So that is that is also good. You know, even you know, even though we're, we're producing fewer tests, the number of people coming through positive is much reduced. Um, you know, on the the more difficult side, um, vaccination rates are have flattened so that we're not seeing an improvement in the vaccination rate for COVID right now, but we still have time and we still have the ability and vaccine is readily available throughout our community. So in, in, in short, COVID status is looking pretty good at the moment and encouraged to continue to see that improvement. I was going to say, I know at Cadillac where I work, I think the hospitalized number today was six, which is incredibly good. And I don't believe there were any in the intensive care unit, if memory serves, which is also extremely good. I know last week we saw a little bit of a spike, or actually quite a pronounced spike, at least in Franklin County. And it's, so I guess that it's coming back down is a good trend, I know, because we were worried that maybe once this the mask requirements lifted that we might see an increase like that. So the fact that it's come back down on the case rates is a good sign. Absolutely. And that's... Uh... We, we believe that, you know, over time we're going to see those blips where we're going to see some rises and some falls, but hopefully this steady long-term downward trend continues. 
One more question relative to the current state before we move on to some of these other topics that you wanted to address is this the sub-variant now. I think it's BA2 or whatever, whatever the latest variant is. Let's just say that. I know that's the concern seemingly now, and I think I heard some information at the state level. That seems to be the predominant number of cases we're seeing. So what's the, what's the concern on that, or what's the perspective on that that we should all have? So the perspective is... It's definitely out there. It's the predominant cause of COVID illness throughout the state of Washington right now, um, based on on sequencing. But we, you know, we're cautiously optimistic because we certainly aren't seeing any, you know, an increase in hospitalizations. Case rates are relatively flat, although slightly on the increase across the state, but nothing that that looks like the spikes that we've had elsewhere. It may be coming, you know, there's lots of reasons why that may be from vaccination rates to previous infections that are relatively recent as well. And, you know, the hope is that it keeps that way. The concern is, is that it has shown this new variant has shown to be more transmissible than the previous Omicron variant. So, you know, definitely that does provide some concern, but uh, just bears watching. We know that we have the tools to help us continue moving through this pandemic. You know, and it's really a nice segue into another topic, and that's tools. And I'm guessing, and in visiting with your colleague Heather Hill and Dr. Person over the last two years, all kinds of learnings from this. But talk to us a little bit about the testing of the wastewater and how that helps you in the public health world help, uh, I guess, identify maybe at a more at a more uh, front end on uh, diagnosing or at least acknowledging and recognizing illness and and infections? So always looking for new tools to to track illness in ways that are less intrusive, um, you know, maybe less labor intensive, and not always, you know, looking for healthcare-seeking behavior. So wastewater testing, um, we embarked on a pilot project with the Washington State Department of Health and um, our communities that, that have wastewater treatment plants and have been sampling wastewater or at least collecting samples and delivering them to the Washington State Department of Health lab looking for COVID-19 in wastewater. And, you know, what this does for us is it helps us measure in the long run, we think it'll help us measure community infection trends. Um, you know, based on, you know, we, as with the change in testing that's going on in our community with the less reliance on, you know, lab reported and lab identified sampling and doing actually at-home testing, that it's going to be difficult to, to track infection rates. So having another way to look at that will be nice and maybe allow us to, to take protective actions ahead of time, you know, before we get into a place where we're going to burden our healthcare system. So the, this is all. This is already underway. So you're able to do this, and I'm guessing, obviously, what you learn with COVID, you can apply to to flu and other types of uh, d- disease and illness that you track. You know, and that is that. That's one of the things that we're we're all kind of hoping is that you know new tools continue to be developed that allow us to to monitor illness. You know, whether it's COVID, whether it's influenza, you know, or other illnesses that are that are in you know we, we shed things through our feces unfortunately and and wastewater is a great place to do that we've been tracking wastewater or at least monitoring treated wastewater for pathogens for for many many decades 
without you know great thought to to sample it on the incoming. So now we may actually be able to do some different things by sampling incoming wastewater for pathogens and be able to maybe determine trends in our community, um, prepare for you know what clinical resources we may need soon. Um, refine some messaging and kind of forecast what those clinical needs may be depending on what we're finding in wastewater. Um, very much in, a, in, in an infancy type of thing, but I think we'll get there and just some improved tools to help improve and protect the health of our community going forward. So back to COVID and you talk about infancy, have you been, you said you haven't been doing it that long a period of time. Have you been able to learn anything yet from what, when you've been doing that or what you've been with the testing and the sampling? You know, we've seen some preliminary data, and it, you know, when we look through kind of the Omicron wave, um, we were able to, to kind of map a little bit to see if it correlated with the infection rate that was being identified through clinical testing, and it did pretty well that... Um, you know, spikes matched pretty well, you know, not always perfect, not always at the same time, but, but pretty similarly that we think going forward as we refine and learn more about what we're doing, you know, not just us, but Department of Health, um, Centers for Disease Control, you know, and we're hoping that this data will be, you know, kind of more available here in the next few weeks. Um, they have started posting some data through CDC's website, and hopefully that will be readily available to us to kind of look at and compare and do some some more study on. If you would, we have about 15 seconds if you would sum all this up. Uh, I know the schools are getting ready to go into spring break. The weather's getting warmer. Just a quick takeaway message for our listeners tonight of where we stand with COVID today. So I, I think we're coming, we're, we're, we're learning to live with COVID. I think that's probably the better thing. It's not going to go away. We need to kind of read our audience Take protective actions where it's necessary. So large crowds with people you don't know, you may want to do some, some protective measures. Get those vaccinations just like we do for influenza, just like we do for other childhood illnesses that will help protect us and help us move forward as a community to be safe, not just in COVID, but in a lot of other things as well. We can learn great lessons from how we, how we deal with all illnesses, and that includes COVID. Rick Dawson with the Benton Franklin Health District, thanks so much for taking the time. Interesting topics tonight. We just seem to be learning so much about COVID, and thankfully it is a time when the numbers are in our favor. Rick Dawson with the Health District, back with more of our program right after this. You're listening to Cadillac On Call on 610 KONA. This program is not a substitute for direct consultation with your own health care provider. Always consult your health care provider for your specific condition, especially if you have or suspect you may have a medical problem. Now back to Cadillac On Call. Here again, Jim Hall. Welcome back to Cadillac On Call, presented by the Cadillac Foundation. And we have documented, as long as I have been doing this program, which is coming up on 12, 13 years each week, about the needs for, in the healthcare profession, specifically nursing, but now it's it's even all across the healthcare spectrum. So it's not just nurses, it's therapists, physicians, it's uh, uh, technologists and of, of all kinds, medical assistants, you name it. Uh, people are wanting to pursue uh, careers in healthcare, 
there is no better time to do so. And certainly the pandemic has just exacerbated that issue. And and we're very fortunate to have with us tonight um, the Academic Director of Nursing at Washington State University, Tri-Cities, Bevan Briggs. And he himself is a nurse, a practicing nurse practitioner. And, and Bevan, thanks for taking the time to be with us. And I guess if you would, just help our listeners understand of just how significant the need is for specifically nurses in the healthcare profession and not just in, say, hospitals. Thank you very much for, for having me, uh, Jim. There's a, a really huge need for nurses right now across the, um, a spot, across the spectrum of healthcare. Um, in Washington State, there's a need, op- there's open positions for 6,000 nurses statewide. And just in our area, um, the, the big hospitals, the critical access hospitals, just hospitals, we have nearly 400 open positions in this corner of the state. And that doesn't include long-term care, home health agencies, um, private clinics, and so on and so forth. And so it's kind of unprecedented, the, the level of need that we have for nurses. And it's absolutely been exacerbated by the pandemic as we've had nurses decide to retire, um, nurses that have uh, decided to leave the profession just because they're, they're burned out and they're tired. Um, but we have a huge opportunity just because of the, the high interest that we still enjoy for um, students that want to pursue nursing as a career. That's my next question. In spite of the tremendous strain that it's put on the system, especially in the nursing profession, are you still seeing high demand at WSU Tri-Cities nursing program? Absolutely. Um, but, um, our program accepts um, students twice a year, and we generally have um, at least 100 applicants that are qualified um, that we can't accept because we don't have the, um, the resources to take them all. So how many in a given year would you be able to, or what can you currently produce? We, um, we generally produce about 50 nurses each year, and that's um, with two graduating cohorts. So we graduate a cohort in December, and we graduate a cohort in, um, in May. And so... It's, it's close to 50. We're hoping to be able to expand on that. We're working on um, on possibilities and, and seeing if it's going to be feasible to, to increase that. The problem is um, with nursing education, it's um, very underfunded, and it costs a lot to educate nurses. Um, nursing faculty salaries are um, significantly less than what nurses make in uh, in in industry and practice. And so it's kind of, it's fighting an uphill battle to get the resources that we need to, um, to educate the nurses that want to, the, the students that want to be nurses. I was going to say, and that, that's where places like I know Cadillac and the Cadillac Foundation have come in. I know historically uh, Cadillac has been able to set up a, a large endowment just for the, the, the product that you're talking about is able to increase and provide nursing education, not only for incoming uh, registered nurses, but like you in the advanced practice field. I want to bring this down to a smaller scale. I know uh, recently uh, you have all kinds of wonderful stories of students that are pursuing their their nursing educations, those that are entering the field. But I know there's one in particular 
that recently is Yaneli Mendoza. And I know it's a horribly sad story because she passed away, but I know it's an inspirational story at the same time. And her memory is going and legacy is going to live on. Give us a brief overview of that. Absolutely. Um, Janelle Mendoza um, is a young lady that um, grew up in Mattawa, Washington. Her parents um, were um, immigrants. They, um, she grew up speaking Spanish at home. And her parents wanted her to have um, the opportunities that they didn't have. And so her father worked um, in construction. Her mother worked um, in the school district. And um, she was able to to get into the nursing program at uh, WSU Tri-Cities. And um, she was a wonderful student. Um, and she she passed her, her uh, nursing boards. And um, the day before she was to start her um, first job working at the Waluk Clinic, which is a primary care clinic there in Mattawa, she had a, a medical event and passed away suddenly. And... Um, it was it was absolutely devastating for the community, for the family, for the for the WSU community, for her um, classmates, and um, so the the cool thing that has happened with that is um, the Catholic Foundation was able to um, uh, create an endowed scholarship in her memory, and so it's um, they donated. Um, was it uh, $27,000 to create uh, a scholarship that will always be there. And it will be for students in the nursing program who come from the same kind of background as, as Gianelli, where they're first gen students, their parents didn't um, get college degrees. Maybe they spoke a, a language other than English at home. Maybe they come from economic um, um, hardship. But it will allow us to um, to help some of those students that that were like Gianelli um, to have access to our program. It was an, an amazing experience to get that kind of a, a gift of support from the Catholic Foundation. And there was recently an event in that commemorated this scholarship, and her entire family sh- showed up, and it was just so inspirational and so memorable. And I mean. As an instructor, as a nurse yourself, you must have been very proud. I mean, just all kinds of emotions. Oh, absolutely. It was very touching to have her family there and just to to see how much they appreciated that and to see the support that we have from, from the community, especially from, from Catholic, in, um, in supporting our students and supporting our programs. And And I would just say with that, that the relationship that Catholic has had with WSU Tri-Cities and CBC for that matter, but in particular where you work with with the nursing program there, you're not only training, uh, you know, obviously bachelor's trained nurses, but you're also um, training uh, nurse practitioners to get their advanced degrees and then doctorates as far as that goes too, right? So there, there's a lot of opportunity here for people, right? Absolutely. We... Um we train um, family nurse practitioners. They earn a doctor of nursing practice or DNP degree. And um, so we have family nurse practitioner program. We have a psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner program. Um, we also have a population health DNP. It's not a nurse practitioner program, but it's still an area of study and population health um, that we offer as well. But um 
Catholic clinic, uh, as well as other clinics in the region, employ a great deal of nurse practitioners, and they provide a, um, a large percentage of, of primary care services in the community and in the region. And it's it's really a, a great opportunity for WSU to be part of that, to be able to provide that primary care support for the community. Um, this fall, we've actually been able to increase the number of uh, psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner um, students. And so um, I believe we have um, six psych mental health nurse practitioner students starting this fall. And then we have others that are in the pipeline that will be uh, um uh, graduating later on. Well, Bevan Briggs, thanks for so much for taking the time. And Bevan also uh, took the liberty of setting up an interview with one of his nursing students who's also a Foundation of Catholic Scholarship recipient. And we're going to visit with her right after this. Stay tuned. Listening to Cadillac on Call on 610 KONA. This program provides general information only. Any comments or information presented are strictly for educational purposes. Cadillac and 610 KONA do not endorse any of the suggestions made by the presenter or callers. Now back to Cadillac on Call. Once again, Jim Hall. Welcome back to Cadillac on Call presented by the Cadillac Foundation. And tonight we're shining the light on nursing education and the incredible need for nurses, certainly all healthcare professions, but tonight we're focusing on the nursing profession because Columbia Basin College, Washington State University, both have active programs here in the Tri-Cities and certainly other other community colleges and four-year schools around the region. Uh, but we're, fo- we're focusing tonight, uh, have the opportunity now to talk with Jaden Kisty, who is a nursing student at WSU Tri-Cities, and she is a senior in the program at WSU Tri-Cities, and she's uh, taking the time to be with us tonight. And, Jaden, first of all, thanks for being with us. This this earns you an extra credit with uh, with Bevan Briggs. <laughs> <laughs> but thanks a lot for being with us. And, and I guess just first of all, you're, you're, you're aspiring to be a nurse. Uh, you, I think you're in your final year of school. Talk about what that has meant to you and certainly with the pandemic and just everything associated with that is what's your perspective right now? Well, first off, thank you so much for having me. Um, it's great to be here, but um, being in like nursing school during the COVID, it's been, it's been different. I mean, the one good thing about it is like, if this is your first time in the hospital, this is all you've seen. It's like, we don't really have that much to compare it to. But um, it does it does have its challenges, and we haven't been able to do a lot of our clinicals that you know what we would have been doing before. But um, still running as smooth as smoothly as we can, I think. But talk a little bit about what you have learned. And obviously, have you always wanted to become a nurse? Is that something that, or has that come fairly recently in your edu- in your uh, career aspirations? Actually, this has been um, pretty much a goal of mine since I was about 12. I actually was Florence Nightingale for um, <laughs> the school project, and I've always kind of <laughs> I've always been kind of interested in the sciences and being able to help people. So this kind of allowed me to do two things at once. And um, yeah, ever since ever since then, you know, it's just been a dream of mine. So that's how I'm here today. 
Now, you, you in, in sharing uh, before we came on the air, you, you've mentioned that you're from the western part of the state, but you moved, or, or you said you're originally from Pullman, you went to the west side, now you're back on the east side again, but you came to WSU Tri-Cities just over a year ago, right, specifically to do nursing? Yes, yeah. Um, so I'm originally from Renton and then did um, my undergraduate courses in Pullman and then came to the Tri-Cities. And, um, yeah, I really, I really like it here. Um, it's been a nice change of pace. What about nursing is it? You touched on age 12, you're Florence Nightingale in a project. So clearly you've had this interest. And, and colleagues of mine that I work with, I'm not clinically trained, but I am just always in awe and in and, and, and admiration of, you know, any any person that works at the front side of the bed, whether it's the nurse, the, the CNA, the MA, you name it, the tech the doc. Um, what is it for you that is so, so inspiring to want to become a nurse? Um, that's, I mean, there's, there is really a lot. I think it's being able to just help people feel as comfortable and as safe as they can, because no one truly wants to be in a hospital bed and they're in a very vulnerable time of their life. So being able to support them and, you know, care for them in the best way, I think can make a huge difference. I've never really had an experience. Um, I'm pretty thankful for my health, so I can't really talk about personal experiences, but that's just definitely, I think, making feel, feel, people feel safe and comfortable. And that's, that's, how, that's basically what got me interested in, in nursing. And I know you have been a recipient of a scholarship through the Catholic Foundation and and talk a little bit about what that has meant to you. And I believe you were telling me that uh, you may be the first in your family to get a bachelor's degree. So just talk about what that has meant to you and what that means to you as you bring culmination to your nursing education. The scholarship definitely has had a huge impact for me. Um, it's It's been like hard for my family just to manage finances my older brother he's also in college um so it's you know tuition is very expensive and i was kind of nervous starting um the program if i would have to maybe take on a part-time job and this scholarship definitely allowed me to focus more on my studying and kind of less on the financial concerns that my family had well, let's talk about uh, the important stuff now that you're in that educational part. I know that you you will be graduating in December. Is that that correct? Uh, what's what's your aspiration? I know during your education you see all different kinds of the healthcare world, whether it's ER, pediatrics, birth center, all of the different kinds of healthcare. Do you have you nailed down an area where you'd like to work after you graduate? Uh, um. <laughs> Uh, kind of, kind of. But it's the one thing that I love and hate about nursing is that it is so broad. You have, you can go and change, you know, what unit you want to work at, and you can, can you know, get more education if you'd like. But then that also makes it hard for me to decide because I'm a very indecisive person to begin <laughs> with. So um, I'm not sure right now. I'm really interested in going into the emergency department. I love the fast pace of it and kind of being exposed to so many different things but um yeah we'll we'll see we'll see how that changes so between now and december 
obviously you, as COVID hopefully allows you to be more uh, visible and, and participate at the hospital like you normally would in your last year. So you'll actually go and, and work alongside and work with in these various units of, of, of clinics in the hospital, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, that's true. It's At first, um, last uh, winter when I started the program, we were going to be at um, – some like uh, some elderly homes, uh-huh. and that was definitely changed just because of the risk of us, you know, potentially sure. bringing in COVID. But um, now, now it's kind of a bit, you know, it's been a bit different because of vaccinations and um, just more precautions that they've taken now that you know we know more about COVID. But under normal circumstances, you would go do you would spend time in, at the pediatrics unit and with the. OB nurses and the ER, as you said, the ER nurses and, you know, those, so you'll get exposed, the ICU, you'll get exposed to all of that as far as being able to to go see what that's like? Yes, yes, yeah. We're being exposed to those. Um, We kind of get like a day at a couple different units. Um, I wish we had a little bit more opportunity to see them just because there's so many different units to see. But yes, we are able to go to um, different floors and see OB and ER and ICU and all that. Well, for our listeners out here that happen to be uh, listening today, uh, what would you share with them that, um, I mean, you're, you're becoming a nurse at really probably one of the most uh, monumental times of, of the healthcare history coming out of a pandemic. And you're certainly... Um, People like you, it's it's vital to have people like you stepping into the profession. How do you feel about that? Are you are you feeling like you're just so excited to to start? Yeah, very lots lots of excitement, but a lot of nerves too. I think, um, you know, just just the unknown about everything. But yeah, lots of excitement. I'm re- I'm really looking forward to getting out there and you know being able to do my duty. <laughs> And it takes, it, it, it's a little bit of a, it's almost like a calling, isn't it? I, yeah, I, I think so. Well, I want to congratulate you. Uh, I know you have a little bit of work left to do, but uh, we're so thrilled that uh, you are stepping up and wanting to, to become a nurse and, and, and help uh, fill the needs given where our healthcare field has been in the last couple of years with COVID. But Jaden Kisty, a nursing student at WSU Tri-Cities, Catholic Foundation Scholarship recipient, and she look for her uh, at a hospital new you in about a year from now, right? <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, yeah. Jaden, thanks Thank for... Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks for taking the time, and we appreciate it, and all the best as you complete your nursing education at WSU Tri-Cities, and go Cougs. Back with the final segment of Catholic on Call right after this. You're listening to Cadillac On Call on 610 KONA. This program is not a substitute for direct consultation with your own health care provider. Always consult your health care provider for your specific condition, especially if you have or suspect you may have a medical problem. Now back to Cadillac On Call. Here again, Jim Hall. Welcome back to Cadillac On Call presented by the Cadillac Foundation. In tonight's program, we've been able to focus the light on the need for replenishing our healthcare workforce. And, you know, as long as I've been in working at Cadillac, which is coming up on 27 years, 
Uh, it seems like there has been a, a need for healthcare workers over that time, most notably in the nursing profession, but all across the healthcare workforce. And obviously, COVID has really magnified that. And uh, you've heard from Bevan Briggs from WSU Tri Cities Nursing Program, and and uh, Jaden, who just spoke with us, who is going to be graduating uh, in December. And a lot of that, it costs money to go to college, as we all know. And um, she was the recipient of a Catholic Foundation scholarship to help her in her nursing education. And, and we're privileged to go back to the phones and introduce Dr. Ted Samsel, who is a retired orthopedic surgeon in the Tri-Cities. But he's just as active as he always has been because he still gives of his time to serve Catholic, not only with the Catholic Foundation, but the Catholic Community Board as its chair. But Dr. Samsel, I know, really uh, believes in frontline health care um, providing it to student and and I'm sure there's nothing more from your foundation connection to Catholic that makes you more proud to see new people entering the workforce, right, Dr. Samsel? That's right, Jim. I want to thank you for having me having me tonight because I believe in the Tri Cities and I believe in um, WSU Tri Cities uh, Nursing College. We over the years have uh, really funded their nursing and educational programs at a high level. I also, um, you know, I'm so proud and feel so honored uh, uh, about this endowed scholarship that we are providing for under the name of uh, Yonali Mendoza. Uh, I can't tell you how uh, emotional uh, that moment was when we announced this with her family in presence and her sister gave this heartfelt uh, moment about uh, Yonali and what kind of a person she was. And there is no better way to give back uh, to the future of uh, elevating health care in the Tri-Cities and in our community and around the country than to give um, Donations to nursing scholarship programs, not only nursing scholarships, but EMTs and medical assistants and just about everything you can imagine that we need more and more um, loving and compassionate people to be involved with. And it's interesting you mentioned because uh, WSU Tri-Cities has its active program. Columbia Basin College has a very robust program, and I know Catholic has been vitally uh, partnered with both of those institutions, and then you extend to other community college programs in Walla Walla and Pendleton, and then there's Heritage College. So there's a lot of opportunities there, but as Bevan Briggs talked about, there is a tremendous need right now. Oh, Jim, there has always been a tremendous need. Yeah, the projected nursing shortage over the next five years is something like uh, 35 to 40,000 nurses in in the United States alone. Uh, and you magnify that through other uh, professions like primary health care and uh, physician's assistants and nursing practitioners, and it just blossoms from there. And the cost of nursing education is like everything else. You know, we're in this moment of inflation. Well, education is inflated, too. It's it, its costs are growing, and these students come out uh, hopefully with minimal debt, but many of them with great debt, and we need to help every way we can to uh, give back to our communities and to 
education for those that are willing to devote their life to our uh, the health of our communities and to uh, the rest of us. Well, if anyone listening would like to help in that area, the Catholic Foundation has ability to accept donations and support of scholarships, the Ganelli Mendoza Scholarship. Uh, go, log on to catholic.org slash foundation. You can navigate your way if you'd like to make a contribution, or you can call 509-942-2661, and we'll connect with you at the appropriate time. And and I think, Dr. Samsel, really, if anyone wants to make any kind of immediate impact on him, helping ensure a strong workforce going forward, it, it could be uh, in the scholarship arena, and, and no better place to do that is through the foundation, right? I agree with that totally. I mean, for every dollar that's given to the foundation, Jim, uh, that magnifies thousands of dollars into the future. I mean, this, these are not perishable donations. They are growth donations, and we need to focus on that. Uh, we do need uh, gifting to other causes, too, like the food bank, but when you consider the food bank is a perishable donation that will need renewed next year, but nursing and health care scholarship programs are going to project into the future. I would have you, uh, if you would, uh, want to put on your hat as the chair of the Community Mission Board at Cadillac, and also your career as a surgeon, uh, primarily done in the hospital. And what has it meant to you as somebody who has worked in healthcare your entire career, if you could maybe take 30, 40 seconds, if you would, um, to see what has happened and see how these people have performed over the last two years? Oh, Jim, it's been magnificent. Uh, I look back on my own career and, and my professional life and People always say, well, would you do it again? And of course I would do it again. It's been the most rewarding thing that anybody could ever do is to serve their community. And the need for uh, uh, to support the poor and the vulnerable and all those that are in great uh, uh, need otherwise is so rewarding. And uh, I can tell you, we give... Our, our community and our health care community here in the Tri-Cities gives tremendous um, uh, effort back to those who are unable to pay. Uh, we, in spite of what you may hear in the media and other areas, uh, health care is in great need of financial support. We're not one of those uh, areas where... We make a lot of money that uh, doesn't get utilized and put back into health care for, for the future. It, it re- everything that comes into health care, and especially in the not-for-profit arena, goes back into improving health care for those who are unable to afford it for themselves. Well, Dr. Samsel, thanks so much for all you do and all the colleagues that volunteer their time and uh, serving such a great need. Thanks to all our guests tonight, and thank you for listening. We'll talk again next week. Thanks for listening to Catholic on Call. Good night.